like us to hear the word of God tell about the death of the son of God. We're picking up the story after Jesus has been to the garden and prayed after he has been betrayed. And now he is, as the scripture says, in the hands of sinful men. And we hear the word of God speak this. And as soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. And they bound Jesus and led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. And Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you have said so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. And Pilate again asked him, have you no answer to make? See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further answer so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the feast, he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, there was a man called Barabbas. And the crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And he answered them saying, do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priests had delivered him up. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have them release for them Barabbas instead. Pilate again said to them, then what shall I do with the man you call the king of the Jews? They cried out again, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released for them Barabbas. And having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. And the soldiers led him away inside the palace, that is the governor's headquarters. And they called together the whole battalion and they clothed him in a purple robe, twisted together a crown of thorns. They put it on him and began to salute him. Hail, King of the Jews. They were striking him on his head with a reed and spitting on him and kneeling down in homage to him. When they had mocked him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. And they led him out to crucify him. And they compelled a passerby, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. They brought him to the place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull. They offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him divided his garments among them, casting lots for them to decide what each should take. And it was the third hour when they crucified him. And the inscription of the charge against him read, the king of the Jews. And with him, they crucified two robbers, one on his right, one on his left. And those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, aha, you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests with the scribes mocked him to one another saying, he saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Christ, the King of Israel come down now from the cross that we may see and believe those who were crucified with him also 
reviled him. And when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of the bystanders hearing it said, behold, he's calling Elijah. And someone ran and filled a sponge with sour wine and put it on a reed and gave it to him to drink, saying, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly this man was the son of God. Every year when we come to Holy Week, I am struck by the contrast of emotion between Palm Sunday and Good Friday and then Easter. Palm Sunday, of course, I tell you, I always picture it as a sunny day, blue sky. It's an emotional high. The Messiah has come, the Deliverer. Rome will surely be cast off. Israel, rise again. Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But the enthusiasm and optimism of that day soon are traded for a pair of running sandals as that horrible night started off so well. Passover. This is my body broken for you, my blood shed. The trip across the Kidron Valley up to the Garden of Gethsemane, time in prayer, sleeping for the disciples. The night shattered by swords and spears and lights, soldiers coming, the betrayer. It's Judas. What is he doing? The disciples forsook him and fled. Oh, the darkness of that night. I wonder what the disciples thought about Judas in those early days. I wonder if some of them said, Judas, I can't believe it was him. If Judas can fall, what about the rest of us? Or was it more, that rat, I knew, I knew I could see in his eyes. Knew he was a weasel. Is that what it was? But the idealism of that apostolic band as it was, the unity such as they had, tenuous as it was, would never be the same again. Soon Judas would be dead. The disciples scattered, hiding, wondering when the knock on the door would come for them. Then the events that we have read about. Are you the king of the Jews? Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? Crucify, crucify him. Why? What evil has he done? The soldiers. Hail, king of the Jews. Sarcasm dripping from their voice. 
you who would destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. And he stayed. My God. My God, why have you forsaken me? Echoing the words of the prophet. The Roman soldier. Truly, this man was the son of God. John powerfully tells us that as Judas went out that night to betray him, John 13, that it was night. Judas left, and it was night. Mark, of course, in the text we read, along with Matthew and Luke, described the three hours when the Son of God hung there on the cross where darkness covered the land. Those long, awful Painful hours as our sin was placed on him. White hot wrath of God, the just wrath of God, was placed on the sinless one. Whenever something terrible happens to us, to those we love, we always wonder, either aloud or privately, Why did this happen? Was there a purpose? And of course, as we reflect on the death of the Son of God, there was indeed a purpose. As you know, this Holy Week, last Sunday, tonight, and then, of course, Easter morning, we will be reflecting both in Mark and in Revelation 5. In the section... For tonight in Revelation 5, there is a word about why. Why did this take place? It wasn't random. It was not purposeless, just like your suffering. Whether you know it or not, there is no purposeless suffering in the path of righteousness. All of it sanctified by God, overseen by him, and in his hand. All of it. And so, Revelation 5, that snapshot, as you know, from heaven, looking back, remembering and celebrating the death of Jesus on the cross, his resurrection, the story of the gospel, those creatures in the presence of God, myriads and myriads, thousands of thousands, say these things about the Lamb. Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for... Here's the reason. Here's a reason. For you were slain, and by your blood, you ransomed people for God. There's, there's the first thing mentioned. You ransomed. You ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. You ransomed people. Who needs ransoming? Who are they? Prisoners the downtrodden, those who were slaves, slaves to sin, slaves in a world that is broken, us. You were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation, and and you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God, And they shall reign on the earth. There's the second. 
You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they shall reign on the earth. This theme of a kingdom and priests or kingdom of priests runs the whole gamut of scripture. It's interesting to me to see themes that find their genesis early on, in this case, Exodus, run all the way through to Revelation. Exodus 19, as the people of Israel were gathered there at Mount Sinai to hear the giving of the law, Moses went up to hear this revelation of God, the 10 words. God said to them, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. A kingdom of priests. If you look at God's purpose in the Old Testament for his people, they were to be a kingdom of priests. That is people whose hearts were given to God by whom the nations could come and meet the God who made them all love them. They were to be a kingdom of priests. And again, that theme continues. He has made us to be a kingdom. Revelation 1, we read similar words. To the one who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood, he has made us to be a kingdom, priests to his God and Father. And then here, right in the presence of God, that purpose announced so many years before, having been brought to fruition and and now satisfied. You were slain. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God. They shall reign on the earth. They shall reign on the earth. They shall reign on the earth. What do you know of this? They shall reign on the earth. We don't think about this much. In fact, the Bible really does not say a lot about that, what it looks like. As we read 1 Corinthians recently in our study through that book, we saw in 1 Corinthians 6, 2 to 3, Paul asks two questions. He says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And again, do you not know that we are to judge angels? Isn't that interesting? He says it that way, assuming that his first hearers knew about that. I'm guessing Paul had perhaps preached a sermon about that, one that he hadn't given us yet, so we don't know about that. Don't you know the saints will judge the world? Really? When will that be? What will that look like? Are we in the jury seat? Are we attorneys? I don't know. Do you not know the saints will judge the world? Do you not know that we are to judge angels? Ransomed. Ransomed people for God. Yes, ransomed. Later, reigning. And the crowd in heaven looks to the lamb who was slain and says, worthy are you to take the scroll, to open its seals. Tonight, we stand somewhere in the middle of all that. Ransomed, yes. Theologians speak about the already and the not yet, those things already accomplished by our salvation, already done, and the things not yet completed. Ransomed, 
one day to reign already? Not yet. Forgiven in the beloved, but oh, painfully aware, not perfect yet. Can I say amen? (laughs) Not perfect yet. Oh, we need a savior. In the hallways of heaven, in the hallways of heaven, the son of God is worshiped in all eternity. His worthiness extolled because he was slain for our redemption. Easter Sunday morning, we will look ahead to the the songs that are sung by those people there, by us when we are there. But tonight we reflect on the lamb who was slain. I want to read one more text. Moving back to the prophet Isaiah, a text that I find both rich and um, haunting. The song of the suffering servant. And I would love for you to hear it in its entirety as I bring my thoughts toward a close. Prophet Isaiah, chapter 52, starting at verse 13, all the way through chapter 53. This song of the suffering servant to be fulfilled one day in Jesus, the lamb who was slain. Listen for the lamb in the text. Behold, my servant shall act wisely. He shall be high and lifted up and shall be exalted. As many were astonished at you. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance and his form beyond that of the children of mankind. So he shall sprinkle Many nations, kings shall shut their mouths because of him. For that which has not been told them, they see, and that which they have not heard, they understand. Who has believed what he has heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up before him like a young plant and like a root out of a dry ground. He has no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one of us to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed 
and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away, and as for his generation, who considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living, stricken for the transgression of my people. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man in his death, though he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the will of the Lord to crush him. He has put him to grief. When his soul makes an offering for guilt, he shall see his offspring. He shall prolong his days and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. Out of the anguish of his soul, he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, for he shall bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will divide him a portion with the many. He shall divide the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul to death and was numbered with transgressors. Yet he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. Wow. It was the will of the Lord to crush him. Ah, there's mystery indeed. He shall see the anguish of his soul and be satisfied. Even as the Old Testament lamb, book of Exodus, was slain to protect God's people from the death angel that was to come, to protect them from the consequences of unbelief, ultimately to free the captive, so the Son of God, the perfect lamb, was slain to set captives free. The lamb who was worthy, the lamb who was slain, the lamb, as we'll see Sunday, who will be worshipped for all eternity tonight. We remember with humility and deep gratitude the lamb slain for us. I would like for us to pray together, and I want to start with a season of silence. And then I will lead us in prayer. And then we will sing a closing song and be dismissed. But let's bow together before the Lord. Just reflect to him your heart. In a bit, I will lead us. Our Father, our Father, you who planned our salvation before the foundation of the world, we honor you tonight as our Creator and as our Savior. We remember the words of Isaiah the prophet as he saw a vision of the holiness of God, and he said, Woe is me, woe is me. 
For I am a man of unclean lips. I live among a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And so, our Father, we are broken people as well. We have unclean lips. Our lips reflecting that which is in our hearts. And we too live among a people likewise broken. Oh, sometimes, yes, we sin and we say things and do things that, oh, we would say, I didn't mean to do that. I didn't mean to say it. And as often as that is true, there are other times when we, we did mean to say it or do it. We did. Our Father, we are in this life living in bodies of clay, jars of clay, someday to live with you. Yes, someday because you are the one who has redeemed us. Even as tonight we have remembered the sacrifice of Jesus. We remember tonight, this night we call Good Friday. We remember a Savior, the sinless one, bearing bearing our sin. He deserved none of it. But oh, he went there willingly to allow the wrath of holy God to be poured upon him in those hours as he hung on the cross. Darkness. Life's blood poured out. Body broken. Earth quaking. Truly he was the son of God. Our Father, as we have as we have sung, now my soul does cry out, Hallelujah. Yes, yes. This work of redemption is yours. Thank you, Father, that you looked at the anguish of the Son of God and were satisfied. Sin atoned for forgiveness available to all who will call upon your name. And our Father, tonight, we are among those who say thank you. Thank you. Thank you for forgiveness. Apart from you, there would be no other way. We cannot pay you, cannot pay you back. We cannot give explanation for ourselves. But to say thank you, thank you, thank you. Because of Jesus, we can indeed say, it is well. It is well with my soul. Thank you tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.